last night and I prayed God let us meet a church that's your answer for this city let us meet a church that's ready for the challenge and as soon as I walked in here God said everything Cambridge needs is here everything Cambridge needs is here you are the resource you need nothing else you don't need a bigger building you don't need more lights you don't need a louder speakers you got Jesus and we have hands and feet and it's time to serve this city if we are to reach and shape a generation for the cause of Christ it's up to you and it's up to me it's up to you and it's up to me and the reason we do that is because God is so good the reason we do that is because he's worthy of that do you want to worship just a little bit more amazing I want to pray I want to pray expectancy in this moment I want to pray over this church because Cambridge as we walked around our team this city is waiting this city is ready for young people and old people and every credence and every language no matter what you look like or where you from Jesus can use you in this city we, we went punting and they talked about the history of the schools they talked about the rivalries next time I come I want them to talk about what C3 is doing in this city I want them to talk about the love and the compassion and the forgiveness and the hands of this church on this city because you have everything that you need I want if you feel comfortable raise your hands let's beg God to fill this room let's beg God to experience him in this moment when we experience a good good God we are never the same we can't be the same we can't talk the same we can't walk the same when we experience the creator of the universe the mover of mountains the star creator God in this moment we pray for every man and woman fill this place God let's experience a God not that we feel comfortable with let's experience a God that's so powerful that we tremble in the presence not that we feel comfortable because we're here in church on Sunday and we're supposed to raise our hands because the preacher said but we are so radically changed by a spirit that's unlike anything we've ever felt fill us this moment God we pray this in your son's mighty name Jesus 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 amen you ready for some Jesus today you ready thank you give it up for your band this is an amazing team right here thank you guys so very much I'm from America if you didn't know people say when I tell them we're, we're from America they're like we know how do you know? Well, we heard you coming from a mile away. You're loud. What I found out, I love Europe. This is our first time to Cambridge, which I've been told this is a fact. It's the best city in America. It's just the best city in the world, apparently. That's fine. That's great. What you do have, I don't know if it's the best here or not, but you do have two amazing pastors leading this church. Can you give them a hand? This is amazing. Thank you so much for letting us come. We are honored and humbled. It is not every day you meet leaders like this. It's not every day you meet a church. You get to experience something so vibrant and so fresh and so new. We're talking between services, and he says one of his greatest joys is to see others do the work of the ministry. Not himself. Not to get the accolades, the acclaim, but to see others do the work of the ministry. And so we're just, again, Pastor, thank you so much for allowing us here.
And we're excited to be here. There's some things about America that's different than here. Let's just get this out in the open. First, we believe in air conditioning in America. What is wrong with you people? It's hot outside. I go in restaurants. I go in pubs. I see the air conditioning. It's there. It's just not on. Explain this to me. Explain the underground to me because I believe I died and I was in hell. I thought I'm a preacher. I was supposed to be in heaven. No, no, no. Trains to stop in the pouring. It's 9,000 degrees. I can't understand what you're saying. My ears are filled with sweat and this guy breathing on me. What I've realized again is you use the word a lot, and I love this word, proper. It's proper, right? Proper. And I, and I, was, I was walking around, and I'm, and I'm trying to pray, and God, give me a word to speak over C3. Give me a word to speak. Give me something that's going to get us on the same page. Because I think we believe in the same God, but we're from two different cultures. And I wanted to, for us to get on the same page right away. And we were in the front of a restaurant, and it said, proper hamburgers. And so I realized... That there are some differences. We're in, America is improper. I realize that's not proper. We're loud. We take credit for things that aren't ours. Benedict Cumberbatch, that's just our guy now, apparently. We got David Beckham. After he's done with all his good stuff, we took him when he's old and just took credit for his handsomeness. And we're like, yeah, we got it. We didn't do any of the, the dark ages and the monarchs are established. And now we're like the last 200 years. We're here now. It's all about us. We're not proper. We don't have table manners. We call it soccer still. Everybody in the world calls it football. It's soccer. It's what it is. We're going to call it that, and that's it. That's how it's supposed to be. But as I continue to think about the word proper, God spoke to me truly, I believe, and he said, Micah, if my church doesn't have a proper view of me, they cannot have a proper faith. If we don't have a proper view of who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what he has asked us to do as his church, we cannot have a proper faith, a proper view of God, a proper perspective of God, and a proper view of the people around us. This is the only way I believe that we can make a dent, we can make an impact, we can have a ripple effect through Cambridge, is if the people in this room will gain a proper view of Jesus. And how I think we want to jump into this is a very, very popular story in John. So you can turn in or turn on your uh, Bibles to John 8. We'll be there. If you're accustomed to church, you'll know this story. If you're not, again, I say welcome. This is my first time, too. We have something in common if you're new to C3. It's an amazing place. Accepting. I believe God wants churches. I don't even think he wanted doors. I don't think he wanted to have doors. Everybody's welcome here, and I love it. Everybody, no matter where they've been, no matter what they look like or sound like, where they've been the night before, they're welcome in this building. Jesus welcomes them. We welcome them. He, in his awesome wisdom, everything God knows, everything he could have planned, everything he could have done, his plan was for you and me to impact the world. His plan was for you and me. He knew that C3, in this moment, right now, where you're sitting, he knew. And he created you with the exact tools and talents you need to impact the people around you. Everything you need is right here. Don't wait, young people. 
Ain't no reason to wait. What are you waiting on? Jesus is real now. And he's waiting. If you think you're done, think you passed, your time has passed. No, your time is now. Age is just a number. It's time for us to get to work. It's time for us to reach Cambridge for Jesus. So we're going to be in John chapter 8, starting in verse 3. Verse 3, as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. This is very interesting to me. A woman caught in an improper action. Where's the man? Every time I read this story, where's he at? And how did they catch her in the middle of this act? This entire thing seems improper to me. Let's keep reading in verse 4. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses said to stone her. What do you say? What do you say? This world doesn't look like it's supposed to look. A person talks the way they shouldn't talk, does things they shouldn't do. Well, if it's news to you, broken people are going to act broken. Improper actions lead to improper reactions. There's no question this woman was guilty of the improper. No one's one's questioning that. She was caught in the middle of an improper act. And it induced an improper reaction. They were trying to trap him, saying something the crowd could use against him. But Jesus stood down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now that's a proper reaction. I think so often this world is waiting for us to point our finger at the broken. Is waiting when they make a mistake, when they do something that they know is wrong, that we're going to point the finger. All that Jesus did was sit with her. I think so often people don't need the verse of the day They don't need your most powerful, scripted out prayer. They need you to sit with them. When they are hurting and they are broken and they have been dragged to the forefront in their sin and their shame, they need someone to sit with them. You don't think that woman knew the life that she was living? People living in sin know they're living in sin. They feel that shame and guilt. They feel that in their gut. They don't need us saying, you're not acting right. They don't need us saying, you're not behaving the right way. Because people are never going to behave then belong. People are going to belong and then behave. No one's going to walk into C3 not knowing how to act and act right. And if that's the atmosphere, they're not going to come. Why would they? They're already self-conscious. They're already open. They're already broken. They don't want to go to another place that reminds them of their brokenness. Jesus just sat with her. Sat in quiet. While the murmur's in the back, what's he going to do? Is he going to punish her? How's he going to punish her? He just sits and writes in the ground. I think a proper faith 
must have a proper perspective. You must be able to see Jesus clearly to see others clearly. You must be able to see who Jesus really is to see people as they really are. There was a young boy, didn't do very well in school. His parents weren't as engaged in his academics and in his well-being as they could have been. They're both very, very busy at work. And the young boy is just really struggling with school, just not having a good time. Not succeeding with his grades. His relationships are tumultuous. He just doesn't know his next step. He's in a really odd place in life. One day he comes home and tells mom and dad, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to school. I don't like it there. I don't feel like I belong there. I'm not succeeding. I feel like a failure. When they say, son, you got to go back. School, you got to go. Comes back the next day. And he says, this is it, I'm done. He's tears in his eyes. He's brokenhearted. He said, Mom, I tried. I tried to, to be better. I tried to be more. I tried to go to the whiteboard. And, and I couldn't even see to write down an answer. And everybody laughed at me. Don't make me go back. Don't make me go back there. And the parents talked a little bit about some of the issues that he was having. And they both thought they came to the same conclusion. So they brought him to the doctor. They realized he couldn't see very well. The kid needed glasses. This made things even worse for the kid. He goes, I don't want glasses. I don't need glasses. I, I already have a hard time enough in school. I, I don't need glasses to compound the issue. Well, they get his eyes tested. They get the right frames. They get the right glasses. And they're coming in the mail in a couple days, and the kid is dreading it. They finally come in. He usually takes the bus to school, but his mom's going to take him because this is going to be a rough day. First day in glasses. He's fighting the whole time. I don't want to wear these glasses. I'm okay. I can see just fine. I can see just fine. And finally, they talk him into putting the glasses on. It's going to be better. As soon as he puts the glasses on, he begins to scream, Mom, what's that? Mom, whoa, hey, whoa. Mom starts to be worried. Well, what's, what's happening? He goes, whoa, 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 what's that? So, that's a tree, son. Where are those things falling from? Those are leaves. What's, it, what's that flying in the air? That's, that's a bird, son. You've seen a bird. With, he had never seen. He'd never seen more clearly. And in that moment, everything changed. But he could see. It's hard to focus on things we cannot see. It's hard to focus on things we don't want to see. The kid actually ended up having a very successful academic career because he changed his perspective. He gained a proper perspective as Christians, as people of the church, we must gain a proper perspective of who Jesus is to have a proper faith. Let's continue. They kept demanding an answer. Verse 7. They just kept demanding an answer. Do you see how improper their reaction is. How frustrated these men are with the improperness of now Jesus. When you act a proper way, when you act how Jesus is going to act, you are going to get improper reactions. People are going to wonder what you're doing and why you're doing the way you're doing. People are going to be asking questions, but get frustrated with you. But that's what Jesus said was going to happen. Let's continue. 
She just stood up again and said, all right, okay, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stood down again and wrote in the dust. A proper reaction from a proper perspective changes everything. A proper reaction from a proper perspective changes everything. It is our responsibility to bring people to the feet of Jesus. It's our responsibility. But it's difficult to bring people to the feet of Jesus when our hands are filled with rocks. So often, we, we start on the ground, right? We, we all start as the adulterous woman. In one, in one moment or another, in one life or the other, in one day, in one night, we've all were there on the ground. And Jesus found us where we were. He found us where we were and asked nothing but our hearts. He shielded us from the judgment of his father. He shielded us from everything. And now we have two choices. Follow him or we stand up and pick rocks. Your rocks may not be of judgment to throw at people, but your, the rocks you're carrying may be of shame. The rocks you may be carrying of frustration, lack of forgiveness, guilt, condemnation. Let us never become the rock carriers. How can it, how can it be? How can we get it so twisted? Because we have an improper perspective of who Jesus is. Once that comes into clarity, all Jesus cares about are the people laying on the ground. He is obsessed with that which is lost. He is distracted by that which is lost. Jesus, now knowing the majority of the people in here say, I am saved by grace. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus says, congratulations, get to work. The world is waiting for people to move from church on Sunday to Monday. The world is waiting on you. The world is waiting on you to not just do Instagram Christianity, but to move from just Sunday morning and talking about Jesus to Monday morning and showing Jesus. That is what the world is waiting for. I have a question. Do non-Christians even like you? I ask myself that from time to time. Because working at a church, I can get kind of in my little white castle. And I, I find myself, do I even know the first name of someone that doesn't know Jesus? Do I know someone laying on the ground? Because guess what? My body imprint's right here. The imprint of my body in the dirt is right here. And I forget what it feels like to be laying there. I forget what it feels like because now I'm saved and God loves me and I'm in a great family. And I forget to go back. I forget to go back. With an improper perspective of faith, of Jesus, not only do we forget to go back, we walk over people to get to work that are laying and broken. Laying there. Hoping that someone will see them for the very first time. Not see them for their brokenness, but see them for what they can be. See them for who they can be, who they were made to be. I love Harry Potter. That's a great transition, people, is what I just did there. 
I love Harry Potter. The movies are amazing. I listen to podcasts about Harry Potter. I just, I love everything about it. It's magical. If that offends you, I'm very, very sorry, but I just like it. I don't know why. Do I practice spells in my room? Maybe. <laughs> it's never worked, but, it, but it's going to. One of my favorite parts in, I don't remember which movie it was. I'm pretty sure it's The Prisoner of Azkaban, but don't quote me if you're a crazier fan than I am. And Harry Potter is on the night bus. And the night bus is driving through England, driving through London, going crazy, doing magical things in an unmagical world. And Harry says, you know, not being as learned in the magical arts, saying, are, are the muggles going to see us? Muggles, if you don't know, are unmagic folk. Can't believe this is how far I'm going into this thing. <laughs> and the bus driver says, no, muggles don't see anything. Muggles, they don't see anything. There is power, and there is forgiveness, and there is freedom, and there is earth-shattering, mountain-moving miracles in the forgiveness and blood of Jesus if we will but see correctly, if we will see people. Christians, we cannot be muggles that don't see anything. We have to open our eyes and get proper perspective because I think if we would truly open our eyes, put the glasses on, as that young kid did, we'd see people laying all over the ground. We'd see him laying on the ground. Because our glasses off, we just see people moving. We just see people walking. We're just trying to get to the next thing, trying to get that next promotion. We're just trying to make sure our family's taken care of and making sure they get that next house or that, that next car. Not cars, because you walk everywhere, apparently. I don't care for that either. We must see people the right way. We must see them the right way. Because guess what? Jesus isn't done with you. He's not finished with you. But it's time for us to work on others. I thought a Christian faith is all about feed me, pastor. Feed me. Give me the Hebrew and the Greek. When all Jesus said, people will know who you are by how much you love one another. Not about how much Hebrew or Greek you know. Not about how to parse verbs and how many scriptures you know. Because guess what? The Pharisees, the one holding the rocks, most of them could quote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Quote it to you, all five of those. I don't believe anybody can do that in here. And the people that knew the Bible the best got it wrong the worst. Jesus is not looking for another Bible scholar. He's looking for people that will see people broken and hurting and on bended knee and not going to point at them, but bend down with them. It's hard to help people when you don't bend down and pick them up. You ever try to pick somebody up and they'll bend your knees? That'll hurt. It's hard to pick somebody up when you're looking on, look, look, looking on top of them. How does that happen to us? How do we miss it like that? So many of you in here, myself included, have been saved by grace, have been given a free gift, and we hide it in our closet. Cambridge is waiting on you. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on you to see people 
how Jesus sees them. I love how it ends. Verse 9. When the accusers heard this, the rock carriers, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. One of my favorite quotes from an incredible, incredible pastor in America it says, Truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. Jesus gives her a dose of both. Does anyone condemn you for your brokenness? There's no, it's, there's no secret now what you've done. You've been laid bare to, for all to see. Does anyone accuse you? No. Neither do I. He doesn't end there. Go and sin no more. I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know where you are today. But when everybody walks away from you, Jesus is there. When you feel lost and alone more than ever, Jesus is there. More than a church, more than a brand, it's Jesus. Jesus. And if we can see him clearly for who he was and who he is, I believe we can see people for what they really were and what they really are. The world will condemn and judge. People They've got twisted, are going to condemn and judge. But guess who? Jesus is the one with the open arms. Why do we try to do the hard work? Why are we trying to do it? I'm, I'm not a good cleaner. I'm not. My wife, insane. Nut job. Cleans all the time. She's a great cleaner. I'm not a good cleaner. It's Jesus' responsibility to cleanse people. It is not our responsibility to condemn. It is our responsibility to carry. It's not our responsibility to correct. It's our responsibility to carry. It's so funny. I think the, the most ironic thing about the end of this story is they bring, they bring her to the right spot for the wrong reasons. Right? They brought her in front of Jesus to entrap him, but they brought her to the only person that could help her. Get people to the feet of Jesus. It's hard to get people to the feet of Jesus when you're carrying something else. Drop your rocks, whatever it is. If it's the doubt of your age, if it's the things you've made mistakes in the past, drop them. Drop your, drop your discouragement. Drop your lack of faith and pick up a proper faith and a proper view of Jesus. And Cambridge will be changed forever. Your pastor tells me, we exist, C3. To reach and shape a generation for the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ is nothing but broken people. It's nothing but broken people. Going to find that which is lost. I'm not a mathematician. But 99 out of 100 seems pretty good. 99 out of 100. I never got that kind of grades in school. 99 out of 100. And Jesus is concerned with the one. Because the one is lost. The 99 are found. The 99 are safe. If you're saved in this room, you are found and you are safe. It's our responsibility now to go find the one. 
to go out and find the one. What I love so much about this community and this culture, you have the sidewalk pub culture. Where we're from, that's not, that's not as common. I believe this city would be as easy as ever to go have conversations with people about Jesus. Every alleyway is filled with people having an incredible time. Go and be around them. You ever lose your perspective of who Jesus is? Get around his people. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. Get around the broken. You don't need anything else. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't got to go to Cambridge or Christ College. Get around the broken. And Jesus will do the rest. Love people. Love people. Love one another. And let Jesus do the rest. If today you've been in church a long time, so long, in fact, you forgot what the ground felt like, and now you just know what the rock feels like. Today's the day I invite you, encourage you to put the rock down. Put the rock down and get on your knees. And guess what? You're going to get dirty. Get ready. Get ready. You ever watch football, we call American football games, or football games, after the game is over, you can know who played by their jerseys, right? The ones that are clean obviously aren't playing. They're resting, they're sitting, they're not, they're not starting. The people that are drenched in sweat and blood and grass are the people that played. Are we playing the game? Our, is our shirt and our hands and our feet and our knees filled with the dirt and the brokenness and the filth and the sand of brokenness around us? Or do we look around and our jerseys are clean? I believe when I, I, I get to heaven, I want my jersey to be disgusting, filled with memories, filled with conversations, filled with forgiveness and compassion, not of my own might or skill or effort, because I was saved. I was saved, and we are called to rescue after you've been rescued. And if that's you today, I, I want you to pick up the mantle. Pastor cannot do it alone. The staff cannot do it alone. It's up to his church. It's up to his church. Maybe today you're sitting here and you still feel like the woman on the ground. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You feel broken, confused, frustrated. You don't have the answers. Join the club. I have one answer for you. Jesus. I don't know much. I really don't. I know Jesus loves you. I know he did everything he could so that you may find joy and freedom and a life filled with darkness. I think I'm here thousands of miles away to tell this church it's time to put down the rocks and pick up the people. But today, maybe you need to be picked up. And I want to give you a moment. We're going to pray together corporately because we're a family here at C3. We're all going to pray together. And we want to give you an opportunity.